0: Well, hi, and welcome back to this edition of the Pastors Podcast. I am Bob, joined here with Matt and Todd. Uh, We are coming to you from uh, Maranatha Bible Church. We are located in Comstock Park, Michigan, just outside of uh, Grand Rapids. We are continuing our series today on Coram Deo and talking about where faith and uh, life intersect, so last week or uh, two weeks ago, we talked about um, what Quorum Deo was, what it looked like to um, live a life before the face of God. And so what we want to do, like we talked about last time, was we'll start breaking these out into sections. So the, the topic we'll talk about this time is our union with Christ or our identity with Christ. Um, and so what we want to do today is just give a, a good biblical theological definition Um, of what does it mean that we have a union with Christ and our identity in Christ. And then the next four episodes, we're going to talk about the practical application of that. So, what does it mean that we have our our union with Christ and our identity is found in Christ. So, um, the most important thing we can do, first of all, is answer the, why does this matter? Mm. So, why does it matter that we're talking about this? How did this come about? Um, and why should we even worry about this as people in the church?
1: I mean, the, just the concept of identity, it's such a loaded word. Um, really, when we even think just basically that idea of of identity, it's really our way of defining who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> there's obviously so much that gets packed into that. Um, we can even just think of ways that we identify, you know, I'm a father or a pastor, you know, it's job or relationships and all these things. And, uh, and obviously the, the way that our culture has somewhat hijacked that term today. And you can just see as you start thinking through identity, just the implications of it where uh, what you do, what you say, what you think is all coming back. It's all derived from this question of who am I? Mm. Um, so really, if we, if we could say quorum Deo is kind of the umbrella over all of this. This is kind of the foundation that we need to build on. Is uh, who are we, and specifically as believers, who are we in Christ, which we'll talk about today?
2: <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, there's confusion in our culture today as to who we are as a people or as individuals. Uh, you know, there there are people who <clears throat> who question their identity, their gender identity, and and there's just a lack of clarity in our culture about. About what defines us and mm. what anchors us, so y- y- you've got that issue going on in the greater cultural context, which is really not the focus of our podcast today, but that has also spilled over into the church. I think where uh, we don't, I think, have a good working understanding of what our identity really is as believers. So, you know, what does it mean that I'm in Christ? Mm. What does it mean that I'm united with Christ? Like those prepositional phrases, in Christ, with Christ. We don't really have a good grasp of what that means. I'm not sure what's happened in the church, if it's just been a neglected doctrine, or we haven't focused on it, or we haven't explained it well. But I, I would venture to guess if you go to most believers, I'm just speaking generically, go to most believers in America and say, explain to me what it means that you're in Christ. I'm not sure many could answer that question and have a good definition of what it means and then the implications of it. So you ask the question, why does this matter? It matters because, number one, I think it's been a neglected doctrine in the church, and number two, it's one of the most precious realities that we have as believers. And so... Um, to fail to understand this thing is really to the detriment of our our Christian life. So that's why it's important.
0: Yeah, I think two things that you said are really important. One is um, when you said if you ask, you know, generic believers asking me, what does it mean? I think most people would actually define it with its benefit, but not define it with what it is. So, oh, my union with Christ or being in Christ means this, you know, that... You know, I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Well, that's actually a benefit of it. That's not the mm-hmm. definition of it, and so we we confuse those. And so, if we don't understand what it is, then we can't fully understand the benefits of it. Um, and uh, and so, I think it's really important. And you ask, like, you know, why has this been neglected? And I think it's a great question. Um, why do we neglect this? And uh, and I would actually assert the that because of that neglecting of it. Um, the, that's why we see the Christian life off. Because our Christian life, it, it isn't just important to understand the union. It's actually predicated upon our union mm. with Christ. Because without without a union with Christ, we literally have no Christian life. And so if there was one thing to, to really grasp and wrap your mind around, it's, hey, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to have that union with Christ? And so I think, um, you know, and both you guys have said it, like that's why it's important that mm. we study this because we can tell you all the benefits of it. Like I can, you know, give somebody a tool and tell you the great benefits of it, but if you don't actually understand the tool, it doesn't do you any good, right? And so yeah. it's the same thing here, and that's why we have to talk about this.
2: Yeah, kind of another way to say it. I, <clears throat> I think you could say that this this is a foundational realization that if, if you get this, you get the Christian life. Yeah. If you don't get this, you don't get the Christian life. I, I mean, it's almost that foundational. Yeah. And yet, so it's shocking to me and to us that it really has been neglected. And yet, if it's that critical, then we really do have to understand this because it, it, it determines how well we live the Christian life to the glory of God. So uh, I'm firmly convinced that a right and robust understanding of this reality will literally change how you live. Yeah. It will give you new eyes to see how to live the Christian life that God has called us to live. So uh, all that's really critical.
1: Because I think even if you look at the New Testament epistles, I mean, generally, not, not always, but generally you see there's the indicative and then the imperative. Mm-hmm. And all of those indicatives are focused on, you know, you said it with the prepositions, in Christ, through Christ. You think, I think of Ephesians, right? Like it's just Ephesians 1 is yeah. how many times can you count, see the word Christ, it, just in that one chapter. And then you see Paul getting into this is how you live in light of that. But first, he wants to make sure you need to understand what this is because this is really at the core of salvation. That's right. This is your union with christ is is really the foundation, like you said, is the life of a believer, and then here are the implications here are the benefits, the blessings, and then the imperatives how we're to live in light of that, Good. but you need to understand that first,
0: yeah yeah, and I think one thing and we didn't talk about this, but as you guys are talking, I think it's important to point out maybe you can take a minute and flesh this out a bit, but the difference between union with Christ with justification and sanctification, right so union with christ you're that's the the born-again part, um, and so you don't have to say, oh, I fully understand this to be saved, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not what we're saying at all. Um, but maybe maybe help them out a little bit by differentiating between that justification and, and sanctification mm-hmm. aspect.
2: Well, I would start by saying mm-hmm. that union with Christ pervades all of those things. It pervades justification, it pervades sanctification, and it pervades glorification. Mm. So. Uh, you're, what you said is important though You don't have to grasp all of these realities To, to become saved right. uh, You need to know that you're a sinner I'm a sinner We're in need of a Savior We trust Christ as our Lord and Savior We repent of our sin Place our faith and trust in Him that, That's what you, what you have to understand In order to become a believer But if we don't understand union with Christ As a key part of our sanctification I think that's where the rub's going to come. Mm. That's, the, that, that's the challenge uh, where it's going to impede our Christian life. Because just what does John 15, 4 say? Abide in me and I in you. Mm. So he uses the vine and the branches as an illustration there. And he's talking about the two-way street of union. Mm. He is in us. We are in him. And so understanding that is critical to us abiding in Christ mm. and abiding in Christ enables us then to bear fruit to be useful to the kingdom to stay closely connected to our Savior So that is a critical realization if we're going to truly be sanctified the way that we should we have to understand this doctrine
0: Yeah, I think that's really helpful uh, So let's talk about that <clears throat> So we talked we, we said two phrases right identity in Christ union with Christ um, so we're going to start with union with Christ because being identified with Christ comes from being in union with Christ, right? So we're going to take a few minutes, kind of put some meat on these bones. And so, what does it mean to be unified with Christ? And uh, Romans six, I think, uh, in my opinion, anyway, does uh, probably the best job in the New Testament. Though there's some other passages we'll go to as well. Um, but just looking at Romans six and just kind of briefly walking over this, I, I would encourage anybody if. You know, he's saying, man, I really struggle with this idea. Like, dive into Romans 6. Like, Romans 6 is just a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And uh, starting in verse 4, or actually verse 3, it says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, so because of that fact, we, meaning the believers, have been buried with him through baptism into death so that or for the purpose of, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. So our, like they're linking something super important here, right? Our newness of life, the purpose of of how, the purpose of us being unified with him, is directly linked to our newness of life or in other words our sanctification right and so maybe help help people out it says baptism there most people automatically think the waters of baptism right so maybe just uh clear that up a little bit so we can get a a broader understanding there
1: well i mean there's there's really when we think of baptism as you said our mind goes to the water baptism but there's the baptism of the holy spirit where when we when we come to Christ in faith, there's a transformation that happens. We receive a new heart, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, He now dwells in us. And there's there's really that that picture, right, of, of what, even thinking of what the picture of water baptism is and what that symbolizes, you go into the water, that's a, it's as if Christ's death going under the water then newness of life coming out of the water, but... That's even a a picture of that spiritual baptism that happens, that regeneration that happens. We go from death to life uh, as a believer spiritually when we receive the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and notice the uh, prepositional phrases in the verses you Mm. just read. We're baptized into Mm. Christ Jesus. Mm. And at the end of verse 3, we've been baptized into His death. Uh, Verse 4, therefore we've been uh, buried with Him through baptism into death. And if you come to verse 5, for if we've if we have become united with him. I mean, those are, those are loaded prepositional phrases. Yeah, And we just skip over them mm-hmm. and we kind of read it without putting a lot of emphasis on them. But, but think about what does it mean to be baptized into Christ and into his death and buried with him and raised with him. Uh, those are loaded theological terms. I know we're kind of hitting the theology of it here. But let the realities of these things sink into our hearts.
0: Yeah, and th- I mean, that union, right? Verse five, you kind of skipped over it. But if for if we have become united with him, right? So not only were you we united with him in his death and you know, that picture of the baptism mm-hmm. by immersion, but then he says we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm. And so just as he was raised, so like your union with Christ. Is showing that you are now, and he'll you know extrapolate on this through chapter 6, but you're dead to sin as Christ died to sin. But guess what? You're also unified with him into the resurrection because Christ was, was resurrected, which we'll talk about You know, in, in, in uh, further on weeks. But this here, and I think you're right, we, we read over these things. We're like, oh, yeah, i have been baptized with Christ. Well, what does it actually mean that you've been baptized? Like, this is massive, right? And so this is a New Testament or New Covenant concept that was never around before here. And so this is something that we as a church get the opportunity to participate with. Um, and then if you continue on, and, and then verse 5, if we if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we also in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. There's our preposition again. In order that, or for the purpose of, our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. I mean, this is just getting better and better, right? You just want to stop after every verse. (laughs) Well, stop. uh,
2: Yeah, we can't skip over. There's a part there. You can't, we can't skip over verse six. So this is getting ahead to the implications a little bit. I don't want to steal our own thunder from future episodes. But uh, knowing this, knowing this. Okay, so do you know this believer? You have to know this. You have to flood your mind with this truth. What is this truth? That our old self was crucified with him. Now, Paul connects the theological reality of union with Christ to a very practical sanctification issue. That's right. In other words, don't tell me you can't stop sinning. Right. As a believer. Right. Don't tell me you're caught in this life-dominating sin and you have no ability to get out of it because Paul has no con- uh, no uh, concept of that, no category for that. His point is because of this theological reality that you've been crucified with Christ, your old self is dead. Yeah. So why do you run back there? Why do we go back to that? Why do we Because it continue- looks good. Because it looks good because it <laughs> satisfies because we're letting the flesh dominate us. But the reality yeah. is i don't have to go back to that sin anymore that's right in fact i don't want to go back to that sin anymore because my life is hidden with christ he's in me so you're starting to see how the theological reality of union with christ has very specific implications for the christian life
1: and i think this is important too because we we can hear that phrase we're freed from sin and then we just assume we're we're free we're free we have no allegiance to anything we're just completely free but we go from slavery to sin to slavery to Christ. So hey, I think that's,
0: that's moving on in Romans 6. Oh, sorry, sorry. Man. No, keep going. You no, guys both, <laughs>
1: both are killing me. Here. No, well, go ahead. Well, I think as we talk about this, you know, the idea of union with Christ, identity in Christ, we have to make sure we're defining not only union and identity, but also defining Christ. When we say, I, I'm united with Christ, which Christ are you talking about? Are you talking about the one in here? You're, you're supposed to you know, profess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Mm, right. So there's a lordship idea here where you know we're we're dead to sin, but now we're enslaved to Christ, and we now live in light again. I, I'm Probably stealing a lot of thunder here, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you know it says you know, even so, consider yourself. This is verse 11. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you obey its lust, what we've just been saying, and then uh, I'll only hop down here for a second. I promise and we'll go back. But verse eighteen: <laughs> Having favorite. been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Yeah, I love that verse. Yeah. So again, I think it's important for us as we're thinking of this concept of identity in Christ. How are we defining Christ? Are we defining it by the benefits that we want and all of these things that we see that Christ offers, or are we defining it by how God's word defines it and what that really means in far as far as the implications
0: yeah i agree and uh, we're not a free agent not like we've been free to go live our own life we've been free to be slaves to christ and uh going back to what you said about sin and when you were talking about that it reminded me of colossians 2 and uh and once again these in him right we're talking about and it says and in him you were so we're talking right previous you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision, circumcision of Christ. Now, here's where Paul connects it: having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So, those are all past tense, and then to the future reality. So, past tense: you have been, you have died with him, you have been crucified with him. To the future tense: so now you can live this new life, which is free from sin. And uh, so, we can fast forward here. Is, is Matt. You know, took it away from me. Um, but uh, so then in verse verse 11, he says, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God and Jesus Christ. Like, that's a massive statement. Like, you as an unsaved person, 1 Corinthians 2, the natural man, you can't understand spiritual things. Well, guess what? Now you can... Well, why? Because you are to consider yourself. And I think the English does a brutal job across the board with this, right? We say reckon or consider, but that's an actual imperative verb from Paul. Like that is, he's telling you, you need to do this. Here's a command. So the imperative is you have been, you have been baptized with Christ. So that's actually a passive sense, right? So this is what has been done for you. And now he's saying, because this has been done for you, you now need to consider yourself. So because you're of your union with Christ, Now you have things you have to do. So we're not a free agent. We are under the lordship of Christ to be actively pursuing the things of Christ. Yeah,
2: the word there is important. Consider. Verse 11. Consider. Verse 6. Knowing. So these are cognitive realities.
0: Verse 9. Knowing. Mm -hmm. Verse 9.
2: Knowing. Mm -hmm. So what's he getting at here? There are things that we have to understand and know about the Christian life if we're going to live quorum deo. Or to say it another way, if we don't know these things, if we don't understand these things, if we don't consider these things, there's something that's going to be lacking in our Christian life. So, I mean, we've said it so many times before, I I think the Christian life is foremost cognitive. Mm. So there has been, there's been a detriment to the church by a failure to understand union with Christ. Because yeah. if we don't know these things, we're not understanding these things, then then, then sin is going to look attractive. And I'm not going to live quorum deo well because I've forgotten these realities. Yeah. So uh, Paul is using these cognitive terms for a very important purpose because we have to know these things. And if we forget these things or we don't know these things, it's going to have serious implications in our life.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I guess when we're thinking about identity in Christ, we... we are now identified with Christ. And this is kind of maybe summarizing what you guys have been saying. There's a past tense we have now been identified with Christ because of what he's done. And now we pursue this identity with Christ ongoing. So there's the salvation and then there's the sanctification that's ongoing. But if we forget this, we're going to we're going to be led astray in the in the sanctification aspect exactly. of pursuing identity with Christ. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so let's see what the Bible says then about us now, right? And so yes, our union with Christ, we've been unified with him. You see that picture of the death and resurrection. You see the picture in the, in the baptism uh, of us uh, being baptized with Christ, raised to our newness of life. We've been freed from sin. So this is, this is what the Bible now says about us. And so, so from that union now, we are identified with Christ. Um, and so just looking at some verses about what does it mean that, that we have a new identity now. Um, and so uh, Galatia, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.11 Um, Paul actually says, such were some of you. So we really want to draw out the past tense here. Such were some of you. And so oftentimes you you hear people like, I'm a Christian, but I'm still an, you know, alcoholic or, you know, whatever it is you want to say. Well, actually, Paul gives this great list in 1 Corinthians 6 and he says, such were some of you. You were these sinners, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So he's saying this is who you used to be identified with or by, but now you are known as a believer. That's not who you are anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we need to tell ourselves, I'm not identified as that old person anymore. I'm actually identified now as being in Christ, right? Cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think of uh, Ephesians 4 kind of, I mean, it's the, the classic put-off, put-on text that we see from Paul. And, you know, he starts in Ephesians 4 and verse 17. So. This I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. And he, you know, he describes, uh, describes that. But in verse 22, I think this is good. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And then you're putting on this new self. You're renewing the spirit of your mind, verse 23. Then verse 24, you're putting on this new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Mm. So there's an active setting aside, there's an active renewing of your mind, and then there's an active putting on. Um, but it's it's this idea of this isn't us anymore. We're casting this aside mm-hmm. and we're pursuing Christ-likeness.
0: And they're all doing verbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't just happen. You have to pitch the old man. You have to bring on the old, new guy. You have to build up your mind in the new guy, and then you have to walk like the new guy. Yeah.
2: Right? yeah. I think of Colossians 3, I mean, we're, we're just bringing out some key texts here, but Colossians 3, verse two, three, four, five. 3, 4, 5, Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. So, he's saying, you need to understand that this old person that you once were, that's not who you are anymore. You're, you're actually hidden with God in Christ. And so uh, it's incredible to think about the fact that Jesus, in a sense, lives in us. We live in him so that God sees us now as Christ is, and and therefore Paul makes a connection. Because of that reality, you don't have to keep sinning anymore. So um, it's just a phenomenal reality. Uh, And by the way, maybe a good exercise for people listening is Go through all of Paul's epistles and circle every time you get a phrase in Christ or with Christ. Uh, there's 25, 50, I don't know what there are. Grab a told. few pens. You're going to write Grab a eight. few <laughs> pens. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. this is essential to his writings. And right. so it might be a, a good exercise just to go through and, and uh, remind yourself some of those things.
0: Yeah, and I like in Colossians 2 where he says our life will be revealed. And so when Christ comes back... Like our life is going to be revealed. So this life that we have now is not who we are anymore. Mm-hmm. So if we're hidden in Christ, which we are, and if God sees Christ when he sees us, which he does, we are going to see a new us too. And so we can't live according to our old self anymore because technically that's not who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are now those who are to be known as being in Christ.
1: Yeah. We even think of Romans eight twenty nine. What was the purpose of him you know, foreknowing and uh, mm. predestining those conformed. to be conformed to the image of his son? That's right. So, that, I mean, this is really getting into the purposes of salvation. There's the benefits of salvation, which we talked about, and we'll we'll get into the implications of that. But but this is the purpose, that we be conformed to the image of Christ.
0: Yeah. I mean, Paul, uh, another verse, Galatians 2.20, you know, it's one uh, it's we know well. I've been crucified with Christ. So there has to be, you know, when you think about that, we kind of gloss over that. But when you think about crucifixion, right, it actually happened. But Paul was not there on the cross with Jesus as he was being crucified. So it must be some spiritual element, right? Mm. So I have been crucified with Christ. And then he says, it's no longer I who live. So Paul himself, though he is living as he's writing this. So once again, you have this spiritual aspect. He says, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live in the flesh. But he's saying, I live it by faith in the Son of God. Uh, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so there's this sense of like his old self is dead. Mm-hmm. And now not only is his old self dead, but Christ is living in him. And so the implication is if the old self is dead and Christ is living in you, then you need to, as he says here, live by faith in the Son of mm-hmm. God. And so that's what we have to be doing as believers.
2: It's good.
1: Yeah, I mean to the end that was he saying Philippians 1:21 for me to live is Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's it's really an overarching characterization of his whole life is everything that I do, everything I say, everything I think, every every aspect of my life is in conformity to Christ. Because this is he's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. So mm-hmm. everything that he does ultimately is to be in conformity with Christ. Yeah. So it's that's all good. it's all consuming. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, just one last one, and, um, you know, this was our, our day camp memory verse from a couple of years ago, right? And uh, I remember teaching youth group, this was the first verse I ever had to memorize, Second Corinthians 5.17. Mm. And it's such a, I mean, it's, 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 it's a loaded verse, right? If anyone is in Christ, there's a preposition again. Um, so what does it mean? If anyone is in Christ, we have this benefit. He's a new creature. And so we are new, Right, So that means that the old man is gone. As he says, old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And and I think we don't realize that we're new. So it means we fall back into old thinking patterns and old habits that the old man used to do because that's what we've always done instead of saying, you know what? I'm actually new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And now I need to live in such a way that that, uh, really magnifies that or reflects that. So those are uh, some of the verses and some of the ways uh, that the Bible explains our union with Christ uh, and then subsequently or or consequently what it looks like to have our identity in Christ as well. And so that uh, is what we're going to be working off of over the next four weeks or so as we look at what are the benefits that come from having a union with Christ. So the next ones are going to be much more practical as we're walking through, like what does it mean now that we are found in Christ? So how do we say no to sin? How do we then say yes to God? You know, looking at that Romans 6, 18, right? No longer slaves of sin, but slaves to righteousness. And then uh, so we have the benefits of being uh, unified with Christ. And then what does that look like in our everyday life? Yeah, I think maybe as we just end this
2: podcast, one of the practical implications of this all would be for us to ask ourselves the question, where am I finding my identity? Or what am I finding my identity in? Mm. And so, uh, is it in work? Is it in sports? Is it in money, success? Uh, what is it that drives you and defines you? What, what is it that gives meaning to your life? And, mm. and if it's anything outside of Christ, then ultimately those things are going to fail, and there's not joy, mm. there's not lasting satisfaction in those things. And so those can become idols, we can pursue those things, uh, we can sin to get them, we can sin when we don't get them. So uh, again, trying to connect this to, to the quorum Deo reality, uh, again, why is this important? It's important Um, because my identity is entirely, as a believer, is wrapped up in the personal work of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what gives my life meaning. That's what gives my life joy, Mm -hmm. and, and that's what gives my life purpose. And so if we're looking for things outside of that to give our life meaning and satisfaction, then obviously they're going to fall far short. So. Uh, that's why I'm excited about these next few weeks and podcasts and topics, and I think it'll be beneficial for all of us. Yeah. Which
1: maybe is just like one uh, one more implication. We can't move past the gospel as believers because mm. this is all coming back to what has been done for us in Christ. So the gospel is not your first step on you know, the path of the Christian life. It's it's what you what you carry with you throughout the entirety of your Christian life. Because, I mean, talking about the cognitive, remember these things. Mm. If we're just setting the gospel aside and, hey, now I'm on to bigger theological truths, no, you need this every Mm. step of the Christian life because of this reason. That's
0: good. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, guys. And I hope that was helpful for you as you listen or watch. And uh, if you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email. Otherwise, I hope you have a good rest of your day, and we'll see you next time.